0: What's up, guys? Philip Jackson here from Reach Tulsa. I wanted to, uh, to give you a quick update about what is going on with us and what's going on with Reach and um, kind of the direction that we're heading over the next several weeks. Um, it's become clear to us that uh, because of the coronavirus, things are just not safe for us to be able to get together. Uh, and so what we've decided to do is that we are going to do our best to stay connected online. That means that our regular weekly worship service is going to be transitioned to a Zoom hangout every Tuesday evening we're going to start at 6.30 and we're going to fellowship a little bit, catch up with each other, see how we can pray for each other, and then we are going to do a lesson online via Zoom. Tonight is the first time that we have done that. So if you are not part of our group me, if you're not part of our Instagram page, be sure that you send us a message, shoot me a message. You can find us either on on Instagram at reach.tulsa uh, or you can email me directly at pjackson.com. At evergreenbc.org. We want to stay connected, especially at this time, as we are physical distancing and we want to keep each other safe. Uh, But at the same time, this community is incredibly important. There's a lot of young adults who are struggling and are having a hard time. We have uh, issues with people who are getting hours cut at work. Um, they are being sent home from school and having to, to do all of their classes online which has changed things. Uh, parents are seeing their their young adults come back home to stay with them uh, when they thought they would be at school for the rest of the school year. Uh, high school seniors are seeing graduations being suspended. and. Um, It's just a difficult time for all of us. So I want to invite you to become part of our digital community here um, and to stay plugged in, to not give up, and not let fear drive the decisions that you make. We are here for each other. We're going to continue to do what we do. So in the meantime, uh, we're going to do the best that we can. So tonight, join us as we do our first Zoom sermon series. The audio is a little bit different than it normally is because we're not recording it at the church. Uh, bear with us. Uh, we're still trying to get used to some of the technology. Things are a little bit different than they were before when I was preaching live in front of an audience. So there's a little bit of back and forth between uh, everybody that's on the Zoom call. So here we go. Welcome to the Reach Podcast. Reach Young Adult Ministry sermons online from Tuesday, March 24th, 2020, by Philip Jackson, pastor to young adults at Evergreen Church in Tulsa, Oklahoma, entitled Who is God? How the Holy Spirit Transforms Us from John 16, 1 through 15. All right, so if you have your Bibles, turn over to John chapter 16. So the um, the preface for this is that so if you guys remember in John uh, John 15 uh, Jesus is is walking to the Garden of Gethsemane uh, with his disciples and they're talking about uh, talking about what uh, what life is going to be like what things are going to be like whenever Jesus is gone and so this is when Jesus tells them to abide in Him and that's how the that's the only way that they're going to be able to uh, to grow and to see uh, to see God move in their lives. And then he gets into chapter 16 and this is right before, um, he begins to tell them what life is going to be like, uh, when he's gone. And, uh, and so Jesus begins to describe what this is going to look like. So we're going to start in the first couple of verses before, cause it, cause it kind of bleeds into 16, the last little couple of verses of 15, but check this out. This is what it says. It says, when the counselor comes, the one I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. You also will testify because you have been with me from the beginning. I have told you these things to keep you from stumbling. They will ban you from the synagogues. In fact, a time is coming when anyone who kills you will think he's is offering service to God. They will do these things because they haven't known the Father or me. But I have told you these things so that when their time comes, you will remember I told them to you. I didn't tell you these things from the beginning because I was with you, but now I'm going away to him who sent me. And not one of you asks me, where are you going? Yet because I've spoken these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I'm telling you the truth. It is for your benefit that I go away, because if I don't go away, the counselor will not come to you. If I go, I will send him to you. Okay, let me pause right there. So the first thing I want you to see is that uh, we have a need for the Holy Spirit. Okay, let me see if i can do this real quick uh, share screen we have a need for the holy spirit and the the thing about this is that uh, jesus understands that they are they are really in need of of constant um constant presence of of god in their lives and he's laying out the groundwork for them to for them to know. Because you gotta think about in the lives of these the of the, the disciples that they know uh they've only known one thing, and that's Jesus being with them. And so the the prospect of what they're gonna have to go through of Jesus has been talking about weird things, like he's talking about how he's about to die, or how they need to drink his blood, or they need to eat his flesh, or that he is gonna be broken, or he's gonna his blood's gonna be spilled out, all of these things are. Uh, are scary to them, and so he 's been talking in this death language for a week now, and everybody 's walking walking around on pins and needles, everybody is scared about what 's happening. but Jesus lays out the foundation and he says basically, Hey, listen, this is the way that this is going to go, and i 'm telling you this so that you don 't stumble and what 's what 's important about this in verse chapter one is he says i 've told you these things to keep you from stumbling he 's saying look if you 're not careful whenever i 'm gone before the Holy Spirit comes.' You're going to start filling in the blanks and think that you, uh, you're you going to start assuming things about God. And the truth is that the one that's coming is trustworthy, just like I am. I'm not leaving you alone. Um, the thing about our relationship with the Holy Spirit is that we can't live without God's presence in our lives. So if you think about when when God created the world, right, when Jesus created the, the Garden of Eden, he placed Adam in the Garden of Eden. And he brings all of the animals in front of Adam, and he begins to, to describe what's what uh, what's in front of him. God makes an observation, and the observation that he makes is that it's not good for man to be alone, right? And so uh, from the very beginning, we have had this God-sized hole in our hearts that we need him. We need him to be a part of our lives, and Jesus knows this. He knows that whenever he's gone, they've, they've gotten used to being with him every day for 24-7 for seven days a week, for three and a half years. And then all of a sudden it's going to be nothing. They're going to be alone. And so he's telling them, Hey, listen, this, this one that I'm coming after that I'm sending after you, I'm telling you this so you don't stumble. He's important. He's trustworthy. Uh, the word there for stumbling, uh, the Greek word scandalizo is where we get our, our word scandal in, in English. And it means to prevent someone or prevent from putting down a stumbling block or to keep someone from sinning or to cause a person to begin to distrust or desert one whom he ought to trust and obey. Jesus is laying out, hey, this is important. I'm saying this so that you don't fall away. He knows that ministry will not look the same when the spirit comes. These guys are used to walking with Jesus. They're used to being right there with him to be able to turn to him and ask him questions no matter what. And Jesus knows that things are gonna be different. And so he's telling them, hey, this is important. We, you can't live without God's presence, but I'm telling you, don't don't forget what, um, what we have experienced together, right? He knows the ministry is going to be different, but then he's warning them not to grow frustrated whenever things change. So not only that, not only can we not live without God's presence, but also you got to remember that there will be resistance uh, when the enemy of the world comes against us. So check this out. Look at what it says in... In verses two and three, it says they will ban you from the synagogues. In fact, a time is coming when anyone who kills you will think he is offering service to God. They will do these things because they haven't known the Father or me. So the thing about this is that uh, He's telling them, "Hey, look, this is what's going to happen." So this is so Jesus is is giving them a heads up of what's going to happen with Saul. Okay, remember when Saul comes on the scene, he starts persecuting Christians. He starts doing things that uh, he says are righteous, right? He says that these these new Christians, they're taking the God of the Bible, the God of the Pentateuch, and they are blaspheming him and they're heretics. And so what's happening is that he's saying, look, the day is gonna come when these people are gonna say that they follow God, but in reality, they don't. They don't know the Father. They have no, they have no relationship whatsoever. And if you think about the significance of him saying that they're gonna kick them out of the synagogues, right? The synagogue at this point in history Was the was the central hub of of life for them? It was where they where they had community, where they did business, where that where this is like for us what we experience when we go to church, right? These are the people that we genuinely and truly care about, and so what Jesus is saying is basically they're going to kick you out of the community. I mean, imagine, think about this this group of people that we're we're with right now, okay? So we are we come together uh, every Tuesday to see each other to laugh doing this online just because we want to be with each other, right? Imagine if all of a sudden you were just cut out of everyone's life and they decided, yes, Christian, I see you. I see you sending me chats. This guy heckley, He's heckling on me right here. Good. He tells me, okay, whatever. So there, so he's saying, listen, this is what's going to happen is that they're going to kick you out of They're going to kick you out of the synagogue. They're going to, they're going to tell you that you can't be part of the community more. And so this is that this is a natural response to how the world looks at us as believers, right? Because to be a friend of God is to be, is to be the enemy of the world. And so what happens is that we, as we live our lives in, in a Christian walk, what happens is that the world naturally will work against us. It naturally pushes against us. And so what happens is that we believe, uh, we believe what happens around us, and we think that, that somehow uh, in our own bent imagination, that by pursuing God, what we're going to have is just good feelings and everything's going to be fine whenever we, when in reality, Jesus says, look, this is the cost of what it takes for you to follow me, is that there's going to be people that are going to hunt you. They're going to be people that are going to be looking for you whenever you are uh whenever you're vulnerable they're going to do things to your family they're going to do terrible things to you and they're going to call themselves holy but he says i'm reassuring you though that these don't belong to me these don't be- these don't belong to the father and so he says the world hates you but jesus confirms though to them that, that these people, they don't know anything about God. Because remember what we know about God in, in James chapter 1, right? James chapter 1 says that everything good comes from the Father and that nothing bad comes from him. What Jesus is saying is that all of this persecution, you need to understand that, that when you are in, in the quiet moments of your life, right, and you are second-guessing, who you are, you're second guessing the decisions that you're making, whether you should go to that school or whether you should, you should get that major or whether you should get this job or whether no matter what it is that you're doing. When you sit there in in the quiet moments of your life and you begin to question what's happening in the, the direction that you're going, Jesus is saying, look, God has nothing but good for you. And the negative things in your life, the things that are destructive, the things that are trying to work against you, these are not from him. These are not from him. And so I know that some of you guys are frustrated with your work situation and you're frustrated with your school situation. Um, I get it. My, my family hasn't left the house in nine days. But the truth is that all of these negative things that roll around in our head that are poisoning the way that we look at life. They are not from the Father. And the things that you carry with you that are negative, I want to challenge you to take them to him because he is good. He is kind. He is generous. And we can't expect to live our lives uh, ignoring that truth. So not only do we do we need God's presence in our life, not only will there be resistance, but also the other thing is that there is um, – we also can draw strength from our past. Look at what Jesus says. This is pretty cool. Okay, he says this, uh, he says this beginning in verse four. He says, I've told you these things so that when, you're, when their time comes, you will remember I told them to you. I didn't tell, tell you these things from the beginning because I was with you. But now I'm going away to him who sent me. And not one of you asked me, where am I going? Yet because I've spoken these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. So get this. So This is what Jesus is saying. He says, look, one day you are going to look back on this and you are going to think about this moment. He says, I'm telling you this so that you will remember. Okay. Jesus is saying something, saying here, saying something here that's really important. Okay. And the important thing is that he's saying, look, fast forward five years from now. Okay. So if you can consider this, right? So maybe you're at the very beginning of your career. Maybe you are still in school. Maybe you're trying to figure out what you want to do with your life. Okay, imagine yourself five years from now. And look back to what God is telling you in this moment, in this crisis right now. God tells us things in the moment that are of eternal significance. It's not just something that's small. When God says something, when when the maker of the universe, almighty God, tells you something, It is not a throwaway moment for you. This is why it's so important for us to keep a journal, because the things that we say, the things that we do uh, in this moment are going to echo for years ahead of time. So imagine these these disciples, right? These disciples are, um, they're walking with Jesus to the Garden of Gethsemane. He's talking about all of this death language throughout the Holy Week. And then all of a sudden he says, hey, pause for a second. Listen to my voice. I'm telling you this because you need to remember this one day. Okay, so fast forward. These same apostles are being hunted by Saul. And they're hiding in an upper room somewhere in some rural little podunk town in, in, in Israel. And I can't help but imagine, my sanctified imagination, I can see it. I can see Jesus with the Holy, through the Holy Spirit whispering to these men, remember that moment on that walk to the Garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus said, hey, listen, I'm about to leave. This is important. So remember this moment. But these disciples, though, they are so distracted, they're caught up in their own hype that they don't even realize that they're missing something. Okay, look at this. He says he says this in verse, uh, in verse 5. He says, but I'm going away to him who sent me, and not one of you asked me, where are you going? These guys are so distracted by how bad things are going to be for them that they have no context about what's happening in their lives, about what's really going on, that Jesus, Jesus is is telling them, hey, I'm about to leave, I'm about to go to my father, I'm about to die, I'm about to give my life. This is the moment, and you guys are wrapped up in yourselves. See, for us, it's really easy for us to get caught up in our circumstances. It's easy for us to get caught up in the things that we think are important to us right now because they're right in front of us. But the truth is that the noise is the loudest when you're closest to the source. And so for us right now, we're in the middle of this this coronavirus situation, and there's so many unanswered questions. There are so many things that can affect our our careers, our lives, our families, our abilities to be able to, to, to do what we've dreamed to do. But the challenge is that we can't allow those things to distract us from what Jesus is trying to tell us right now. So I want, to, I want to encourage you in this is that is that we need the Holy Spirit, right? We're in the process over the last several, several weeks. We've been looking at how, how God transforms us, not just God in general, but specifically the Holy Spirit, how the Holy Spirit trans, transforms us, how the Father transforms us, and how the Son transforms us, right? We need this. Not because it's just a good idea, or not because it's going to mean that we're going to have a more balanced life or because we're going to be more focused on the right things, we need this because we need community with God and Jesus is saying, "Look, you guys, look, I'm right here, pay attention to me," and they're missing it, but he but he knows he, he makes them pause and he makes them listen and say, "Listen, I'm telling you this so that in the future you will remember this moment because God uses our past to strengthen us in our present. This is why it's so important for us to write down the things that God tells us, right? If the almighty maker of the universe tells you something in your life, it doesn't matter how big you think it is or how small you think it is, you need to write it down. This is the power of journaling. This is why we do this so that we can document what God says. And I can look back five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, and say, you know what? When I was 19 years old, and, and I was thinking about going out on my own and buying a house. I just got married. Thinking, what in the world does God want to do, do with my life? Those things that he told me at that time in my life were significant. Nothing is throwaway with God. We draw strength from our past. But here's the other thing about this, too, is that Jesus, Jesus had to leave on purpose. So look at what he says. The reason why he said he had to leave. In verse seven, he says, nevertheless, I'm telling you the truth. It is for your benefit that I go away, because if I don't go away, the counselor will not come to you. If I go, I will send him to you. And so pause for a second. So think about this. Jesus knows this is this is an important theological point here. Okay. so when Jesus is on earth and he's and he's doing ministry. His interaction with the world is limited to his physical space. Okay, so Jesus has the ability to teach, but only as many people as that can fit in the room. So if you think about the, the miracle of the paralytic, right, the guy that, that his friends lowered him from the ceiling, right, why did they have to lower him into the ce- from the ceiling? It's because the room was packed. No more people could get to Jesus. So Jesus understands, I've got to leave because ministry, the gospel, is being inhibited by my physical, my physical constrictions. Okay, okay, so what he says is, he says, I've got to go away because something bigger is coming. The Holy Spirit's going to come and he's going to do bigger things. And the thing about this is that the reason why the Holy Spirit is so significant, the reason why we need him is because what happens is that God begins to do these supernatural things through us. You see, before this happens, before Jesus, um, before Jesus left, before the Holy Spirit came, Their ministry was all external. The disciples' experience with God was, everything was external. Jesus was the one that did the miracles. Now, there were a few occasions where he would give them the authority and they would go do incredible things. But every time that God showed up in Jesus' experience, though, what happened was that they got to see from the outside what God was doing. See, for, for us, though, as we have the Holy Spirit inside of us, what this means is that we actually be able, we're actually able to take part in what God is doing. Jesus is offering them a direct line to be able to, to experience God in a way that no one has ever experienced God before. So the Holy Spirit had to come. He had to come because Jesus's presence on earth was limited Remember, in in Philippians chapter 2, it says that Jesus submitted himself to a human life. That means that that Jesus, he laid aside certain privileges of being God to live a completely human life. That means that he did not have an edge like like we don't have. Hebrews chapter 9 talks about how the the reason Jesus was able to live a perfect life was because he abided in the Holy Spirit. He was so in tune with what God was doing around him and listening that he was able to do supernatural things in his life. That same Holy Spirit that allowed Jesus to live a perfect life resides in you. That means that you have incredible access to power. That means that when you look around at the situation that we're we're in right now, this coronavirus thing, as big as it is, as dangerous it is for everybody around us, understand that we have incredible power. God has given us not a spirit of fear but what of power and of love and of a sound mind. That sound mind is a disciplined mind, a mind that has been cultivated and has been shown and it has has been tested. Right? We need the Holy Spirit because he is showing us incredible things. Our need for God is ingrained in us and it's and it is so important. But here's the next thing I want you to see. Okay, check this out. next thing I want you to see is that the Holy Spirit, what he does externally. Okay, what he does externally. Look at what he says in verses 8 through 11. It says, when he, when he comes, talk about the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he will convict the world about sin, righteousness and judgment, about sin because they do not believe in me, about righteousness because I am going to the Father and you will no longer see me, and about judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged. Okay, so the significance of this, though, is that the Holy Spirit, like we have this idea that somehow our ministry, the things that we do for God, uh, is limited to, uh, to only what we can do. But the truth is that the, what the Holy Spirit does is he does everything for us on externally, right? So the first thing he does is he convicts about sin. Okay, in convicting about sin, though, we've got to understand that his power is, con- is comprehensive. Okay, so the, the, the Greek word for convict, is gocho. and it could be symbolized like this, okay? So the reason why the Holy Spirit brings the power to convict is because he is like, He, his presence on the earth is like shining a light in a dark room, okay? When he enters our lives, there is an illumination that happens, and when that illumination happens, we begin to see ourselves for what we truly are. See, Jesus is telling the Holy Spirit, He's telling the disciples that the Holy Spirit brings conviction because his presence, it shows us in our true form, which is broken and sinful. So he's telling his disciples that the divine helper will be God's power to change lives. So imagine this. You don't have to tell someone that they're broken if you're walking in the Holy Spirit. You don't have to convince someone that they need God when you are walking in the Holy Spirit because your presence, as you carry him into their life, they will know that something is different about you. They will know that something is is off about you. And they begin to ask questions because the presence of the Holy Spirit shines a light in a dark room. So if Jesus is the conduit for us to have a right relationship with God, then the Holy Spirit is like the electricity that fills us with power to supernaturally impact people. Okay, without him, we're nothing, right? Without abiding in him, we we have no power to be able to do anything with people in our lives. But the challenge is that some people, they think, oh, well, you know, Well, I have, I I go to church. I I do read my Bible. I do my thing. Right. But I really, I mean, I'm no different than anybody else. And the people that I hang around, they would say that I'm no different than anybody else. The difference is that just like those people who would claim to their religiosity and they would claim that they're doing things for God. And they would claim that they belong to the father. But Jesus says, if they're not abiding in the spirit, they have nothing to do with him. And so for us, we need to realize that the only way that we're going to impact people's lives and the only way that there's going to be conviction about sin is if we walk in the Holy Spirit. But not only does he, does he convict about sin, but also he convicts about righteousness. Look at this. He says, when he comes, he will convict the world about sin, righteousness, and judgment. About sin because they do not believe in me. About righteousness because I'm going to the Father and you will no longer see me. So after repentance, this, this, this conviction, the light that comes from the Holy Spirit, what happens is that, that we realize that, we need, that something's wrong with us. And so after that conviction, we make ourselves right with God, and so we become reconciled to him, right? But after that, there is a need for righteousness. That constant presence of the Holy Spirit drives us to desire him, drives us toward a Christ-likeness. And that process unfolds through Christian living and in community, right? So we do life together. We meet together. We we listen to God's word. We sing together. We serve together. We see each other on Sundays. We see each other on Tuesdays. And this is important because the process of being together, it sharpens us to be something else, to be drawn to a Christ-likeness. And so this process, it begins to shape us in the way that God intended for us to be. The presence of the Holy Spirit is the constant reminder that even though we're saved through the blood of Jesus, we will still require the effort of daily sacrifice. Remember what we've been talking about, about Romans 12, about the process of knowing God's will, the process of having a changed mind and not being conformed to the world is by daily sacrifice. It's this, it's this process of being drawn into what the Holy Spirit is doing about conviction and righteousness. Jesus is telling them since they no longer have him with them, as the measuring stick, he says, "Look, the Holy Spirit's coming to be that drive, that 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 spark that keeps you going forward." Look at what he says. He says, he says about about uh, righteousness and judgment, about sin because they do not believe in me, about righteousness because I'm going to the Father and you will no longer see me. Jesus is saying, "Look, I'm not going to be here anymore, but He is going to be the one that's going to step in and He's going to draw you into a holy life." The last thing the Holy Spirit does externally is that. He brings conviction about judgment. So he says, he says in verse 11, he says about judgment because the rule of this world has been judged. Okay. Here's the thing, (coughs) excuse me, what the Holy Spirit did is confirmation. When he came, it's confirmation of what Jesus did. Okay. This is not a future judgment. This is a judgment as in a decision that has been made. It's past tense. Okay, it's a definitive action. It doesn't say, well, the Holy Spirit's coming so that eventually everything can be judged. He's coming because there has been a judgment. That's the point. He brings security to the children of God. He's, he puts everything in concrete. Okay, Satan no longer has any power over creation because of what Jesus did. And the Holy Spirit is the down payment that confirms that sin is, has been annihilated. The separation that we have from God has been settled. As we're exposed to the power and the purity of God through the Holy Spirit, we can't help but feel inadequate. But Just like Adam and Eve hiding in the garden, God doesn't need to point point out our sin. It's obvious to, to us when we stand in proximity to the Holy Spirit. This is necessary because people need to be brought into relationship with God because they are dying. But that can't happen unless they know that they are separated from Him. The Holy Spirit is the catalyst that makes repentance possible. But not only that, He is one who always draws us to Christ-likeness after salvation. As he pulls us towards sanctification, we have security, knowing that 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 connection with him proves God's presence in our lives. So the Holy Spirit is, is doing something incredible in us all the time. It's not just about our experience with God leading to salvation. Right? A lot of people, they live their whole lives, and they never know what it's really like to chase Jesus because their whole experience is driven by one thing. It's like, well, I trusted Jesus. I walked down, and I got baptized, so I think I'm good. But the truth is that the reason they never see any power in their life is because they actually aren't abiding in the Holy Spirit. This is a primary difference. This is a primary change in our, in our mode of thinking. So here's the last thing I want you to see, Okay. Pull it up here. Last thing I want you to see is that what the Holy Spirit does internally. Okay. In verses 12 through 15, Jesus lays out what the Holy Spirit actually does inside of us. Okay, so we've looked at how He how He affects us externally. Now let's look at what He does internally. Okay, so in verse 12 it says this It says, I still have many things to tell you. But you can't bear them now. When the Spirit of Truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth, for He will not speak on His own, but this, but He will speak whatever He hears. He will also declare to you what is to come. He will glorify Me, because he, he will take from what is mine and declare it to you. Everything the Father has is mine. This is why I told you that He takes from what he what is mine and will declare it to you. Okay, here's the thing is that the Holy Spirit begins to do a work in our lives, right? So he He convicts us of sin. He, he draws us to sanctification. But in the process of that, he guides us in the truth. See, we live, we live in a generation of people, especially right now. Oh, my goodness. We live right now at a time in history where people are starving for the truth. They have no idea which way is up. And so what they do is they grasp onto whatever information that they can find. And the challenge is that is that if we don't know the truth, there's no way that we can know what direction to go. We don't we don't have a stable point to hold on to. Remember the enemy is the father of lies and he needs to constantly be re, be refuted. The Holy Spirit is a firm and unchangeable source of what's right. His strength comes from his community with the holy with the holy trinity. So imagine this, remember the whole reason that God created all of this is so that he could share his community with us, right? The community that he had with himself, between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And within that within that community is absolute, is absolute truth. And so what that means for us is that as we have relationship with the Holy Spirit, we have access to absolute truth. And so what, when, when questions come, when uncertainty comes, Lord, what's going to happen to me? Am I, am I going to get sick? Am I going to lose my job? Am I, gonna, am I not going to be able to finish my degree? Am I going to do all these what ifs? These are things that when those, when those questions come, we go back to what is the truth, right? The Holy Spirit is the, is the one who comes first in truth. And it's through him that we have direct access to heaven. When, when we can't find, even when we can't find the words to speak, He appeals for us. In Romans eight, it says that He speaks for us with groans that we can't even understand. When we go to God and we say, "I don't even know what to say," the Holy Spirit searches the, the innermost parts of our hearts, and He communicates to Jesus exactly what we need. This is not something that is passive. This is something that is intimate, and it is and it is constant, and it and it is true and it is firm and there's no way to change it so that means that even when you're frustrated even when you're upset even when you don't know what to do god is still advocating for you the holy spirit is still searching your heart and searching god's heart and he's putting together the things that you need most so he'll be our guide for truth but not only that but he also he tells us what's going to come look at what he says in verse thirteen, he says, "When the Spirit of Truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own, but he will speak whatever he hears. He will also declare to you what is to come." So, think about this. I don't know if this has ever happened to you, that you're you're in a situation, you're presented with with a situation, and for some reason you can't really explain it, but for some reason, um, you just you have a feeling about it. Like you feel like you know what needs to happen, and you know what needs to be done. Um, you just can't shake it, just doesn't, just doesn't feel right, or or maybe you're confident about what you should be doing. This is what he's talking about. He's about, he's talking about how when, when the Holy Spirit is is part of our lives, the work that he does internally in us, he gives us a confidence of what is happening in God's divine plan, okay? To know the future is not to know, um, you know, who's going to win the Super Bowl next year. To be walking in the Spirit and to know the future and to know what's going to come is to, is to be in, 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 relationship with him and an abiding relationship with him to where we know what is consistent with his character and as god unfolds things in our lives what happens is we in that confidence we act and so for us we begin to see things differently than the other people see them but just like just like uh other scriptures tell us not only does the holy spirit come to tell us truth to teach us in truth but also to tell us what to come but the other thing that he does is he glorifies Jesus, right? This is God's ultimate thing for everything, right? Remember, we, we have there are two purposes for life. The first purpose is God's purpose, and that is to be glorified, okay? The second purpose is our purpose, and that is to know God and enjoy him forever. And as both of these play out, what happens is that we begin to see true divine power happen in our lives. So as that unfolds, the primary source of that glorification and knowing God and enjoying him forever comes from glorifying Jesus. This is God's ultimate goal is to glorify Jesus. He's the one who's been lifted up because He has paid the price for sin. He's the one who lived the human life. He's the one who paid the debt. He's the one that's judging that will judge over creation. Jesus is the star of the show. Okay, so what does he say about, about the Holy Spirit? What is he going to do? He will glorify me, verse 14, he will glorify me because he will take from what is mine and declare it to you. He says this, he says that the world will, will always try to deflect us away from Jesus, right? But the Holy Spirit, he's got one job. His one job is to, is to connect people to God's divine plan for their lives. And so what happens is Satan comes along and he tries to distract us. He, he throws out these lies and he accuses us and he tries to get us off track and get us distracted from true godly things. You have people in your life. I guarantee you, you've got people in your life who have chosen other things besides chasing Jesus. And it's frustrating because you want to do life with these people. You love them. You genuinely care for them, but they get caught in other things. They get caught in relationships. They get caught in money. They get caught in jobs. They get caught in degree programs they get caught in lifestyles and the thing about it is that is that the Holy Spirit is one who's always pushing us to Jesus that for me that is a that is a primary thing that we can look at in our lives what is my motive is if my motive is to glorify Jesus then I know that I'm on the right track but if I am not glorifying Jesus if for some reason I'm choosing something else besides glorifying Jesus that means that I am living contrary to to the primary reason the holy spirit is here. So for me, I have to evaluate my life constantly. What am I pursuing? What am I trying to glorify? Am I trying to glorify myself? Am I trying to to build a following to be able to to do good and look back and say, "Oh, wow, this is awesome. I'm so good at what I do." Or am I or am I shrinking in fear saying, "Oh, well, I, everything is just up to me. I don't know if I can. I don't know if I can do this or not?" But instead, if we focus on glorifying Jesus, all of a sudden we don't matter as much. Because he is the primary star of the show. We're just extras. Right? He but the thing about it is Satan doesn't care what the distractions are. He doesn't care. He doesn't care if you if you get up at five o'clock in the morning, this is one of my personal struggles. I get up early in the morning, right? It's like, okay, cool. Well, I'm gonna get up early so I can do my quiet time. But the problem is I sit there on my phone and I scroll through Instagram or I scroll through Facebook. And I blink, and it's been twenty-five minutes. And I blink again, and it's been thirty-five minutes. Okay, well, I'll, I'll start it. You know, when it's when it's time. And then I realize, wow, I'm late for my first meeting. Satan doesn't care what the distraction is. You don't have to be a drunk or a drug addict. The truth is that he wants whatever he can get to get you away from glorifying Jesus. But the other thing about this that, that's important here is that it says that he will glorify me because he will take from what is mine and declare to you. So consider this is that when the Holy spirit speaks to you, he is taking a message directly from Jesus and he is giving it to you. That means that the Holy spirit shares the same purpose of the father to glorify Jesus. That means that, that he will validate and echo the words of Jesus's ministry. That means that when we look at truth, when we look at information we say, okay, this is what it means to live a godly life. If it's not consistent, with what Jesus said we know that that's not of the holy spirit you see there's a lot of people who take Jesus's words and they bend them or they take the holy spirit and they bend it and they start to say oh well you know God really didn't mean that part of that that was part of the old law that was part of the new law this is they try to try to try to draw a line down the middle of things and they try to say oh well you know there's all these qualifiers but the truth is that the message is the same from Genesis to Revelation and anything that detracts from that is not of the Holy Spirit. So in every way, the Spirit will elevate Jesus and His ministry. Okay, there was this guy that I just learned about in um, in my church history class. Right, his name is Marcion. Okay, so Marcion decided that that the that there was a difference between the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament. Somehow they weren't the same. And so what Marcion began to do was he began to go through the Old Testament. He began to throw out little pieces here and there saying, oh, well, this isn't consistent with Jesus. Oh, no, this is, I don't believe this is true. And so what ended up happening was that Marcion decided that he was going to create his own Bible. So what he did is he, he carved out, he said, oh, the Old Testament, that's, that's clearly not the right God. That—that that, that Yahweh is probably a lesser God. The real God is, is, we know is a God of love, right? And so he began to, to carve out his own version of the Bible, to the point to where he rejected all of the Gospels, except for the Gospel of Luke, and he rejected every other writing in the Bible except for anything that was written by Paul. And Marcion began to, to drift this way, and he began to notice that uh, his followers weren't exactly, uh, they weren't exactly the cream of the crop. And, and it, what ended up happening was the church as a whole, which wasn't organized back then, the church as a whole turned on him and, and labeled him a heretic, and they kicked him out of the church. Because what happened was he began to take little pieces of information that he had mold over in his mind and began to twist the truth of God's word. We have to be really careful that we understand that the Holy Spirit is doing work in us. And he will always elevate the Father and the Son, right? We have this, this idea that, um, that somehow there's a difference between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And they are different in person. But they are, they are singular in purpose, in mission. Okay, the Holy Spirit is the source of all change in our lives. And he is just, he's not just a lucky charm or a genie that, that, we, that we rub the lamp and he comes out and grants us wishes. He is heaven personified within our own spirits. So he's driven by that central pursuit to transform fallen people into what God created them to be. Redeemed and sanctified to live in fellowship with God. He speaks the truth and he brings life. Right? He doesn't distract, he doesn't he doesn't cause confusion. He brings truth and consistency. He shows us the future with confidence and glorifies Jesus and the Father as he speaks for all the Trinity and he teaches us to live like they do. right? This is why we can be confident with him as our helper, right? Through him we are transformed not just into children of God in name only, but in likeness, in habit and in mannerisms. Right? Consider this, right? So you you each have parents. Now I am going to guess that you have picked up certain mannerisms from one or both of your parents. As difficult as that is to accept, I know that that's true, right? I will never forget. Um, let's see, this is probably, this is many years ago. We were at Olive Garden at Utica square me and, and my family, and then my parents and, and my couple of my brothers and sisters. And I'm sitting at one end of the table and my dad is sitting at the other, other end of the table. Hey, we both finish dinner. Okay. Everybody finishes dinner. Right. And I scoot back from the table and I do this number right here. I lean on one, one leg and put my left arm on, on top of my thigh. I look across the table and my dad is in the exact same pose. It freaked me out. I was like, how, what in the world? We, we have all had those situations, right? I know I have my dad's laugh. I mean, I share his face, for goodness sake, right? I'm pretty much a carbon copy of my dad. But we pick up mannerisms, right? They, they say that parenting is caught. It's not taught. It's the same thing with discipleship. And the truth is that as we spend time with the Holy Spirit and we abide with the Holy Spirit, we change. We begin to pick up mannerisms. We begin to pick up personality traits and different little things that come with being close to the Holy Spirit. Things like love and joy and peace, patience with people and kindness, real kindness, not not false kindness that tries to manipulate people to do what we want. Gentleness to those that are vulnerable and and need help. Self-control when we get upset. Long-suffering. Here's the thing about this. We're 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 going through a season of life where God is wanting to change us into something else. He's wanting us to be different tomorrow than we were today. He's wanting us to be different two weeks from now than we were four weeks ago. And each of these members of the Trinity plays an important part, right? We've looked at we've looked at the Father, we've looked at the Son, and now we've looked at the Holy Spirit, right? So the Son, He transforms us by providing us of, of an opportunity to have a reconciled relationship with God. The Father plays a part in transforming us because he is the architect of it all. And he created this so that we could have community with him. And the Spirit, he's our day-to-day down payment, right? Uh, The gospel says that he is the first fruits of God's kingdom here on earth. So I want you to consider this, right? Consider this. That no matter how challenging these things are that you face, whether it's your job, whether it is your school, whether it is your family relationships, whether it's difficulty with things that are going on in your life, with your friends who are being jerks, understand that the Holy Spirit is something that is, he is not someone that is just kind of a throwaway attack add on that that God said, oh, hey, well, I guess they could use one of these. You have access to heaven. You have access to supernatural power to see things with a divine lens, with your God goggles on, to see things that are completely different from everyone around you. And every opportunity that you have, that you, that you face in your current situation, is an opportunity for people to be able to see God do incredible things in your life. I want to encourage you, if you haven't spent time with Jesus during this quarantine, during, dur- spend time with the Holy Spirit tomorrow. If you don't have anything to do, say you don't have any homework due, or even if you do, I want you to block off, block off an hour minimum and say, Lord, I just, I just need a break. I need you to open my eyes and teach me and show me what is true. I'll need you to give me some hope. And teach me what I'm missing here, because I know that there's life here. I know that when, when your spirit is present, that there will be light and that you will expose darkness and that, that I can move forward in confidence, that you will teach me the future. In these things, he wants to participate in your life. He wants to do incredible things in your life, and he wants you to see and do things with him. It's not just external. I want to encourage you this one last thing. I am in the the process of of reading through the Gospel of John uh, in the Journey Group, and um, something has really been standing out to me uh, quite consistently, actually, um, that Jesus. As I've learned more about him, I've realized that uh, there's a lot of things that I didn't know and a lot of things that I don't understand fully. Um, It says when Jesus was small in the Gospel of Luke that he submitted to his parents and uh, that he grew up and he didn't lord over to them who he was. And then it says that when he when he was about 12 years old, they went to the temple to offer sacrifices, and they forgot him there. And they came back, and they found him talking to the wise men, talking to the teachers, and they were astounded at his wisdom. Um, and then fast forward to whenever he was uh, a young man, and uh, he came to visit his cousin, John the Baptist. And uh, even it says that John didn't even recognize him as the Messiah until the Holy spirit told John, Hey, the person who, who my spirit ascends on, like descends on like a dove, he's the one that's the Messiah. So when Jesus comes to John, the, the spirit descends and then John realizes, Oh wow, my cousin is the Messiah. It's the Holy spirit that speaks to John and shows him that it's the Holy spirit that takes Jesus into the wilderness. It's the Holy spirit that taught Jesus, how to submit to his parents. It's the Holy Spirit that taught Jesus God's words. The Holy Spirit that taught Jesus how to submit to God's wills. The Holy Spirit that fed him when he was in the wilderness. It's the, the Holy Spirit is, is, has been the communicator since the beginning. And what I've realized is that for me, being transformed is not just about doing hard stuff, it's about being teachable and letting God do things in me. listening so I want to encourage you this week to listen take some time to listen and uh, bring those frustrations to the father because he wants to know you and he wants you to know that he is there for you and know that that you have supernatural power on the other side that all you have to do is to ask and listen What's up, everybody? This is Philip Jackson, pastor to Young Adults at Evergreen Church. I want to invite you to come to REACH. We meet every Tuesday evening at 6.30 at Evergreen Church, just east of Mingo on 111th Street. For more information, check out our website, REACHTULSA.org. You can connect with us on social media and on Instagram by searching for REACH.TULSA. Also, be sure to subscribe to our content for the latest sermons and updates. You can also find us on Spotify, iTunes, and wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Bring your glory down People with revival sound oh.